Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Liverpool Comedy Improv Cast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and a place where we delve into all sorts of improv topics. And over the last year or so, I have been encouraging people to contact me if they've got ideas for topics that they want to talk about. And this week, that's what we're doing. We are getting back a previous show guest, a friend of the show, the fellow oiker of mine, Mark Turpin, and he is coming on the show and we're talking all about comedy influences. And if there's anything that you think, hey, I've got a great idea to talk about on the podcast, then just get in touch with me and get in touch with Emma. And you could be on a future episode of the show talking about whatever improv topic you have in mind. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're even available on Amazon Podcasts, uh, which means you can ask Alexa to play the show. You can ask any other sort of smart home device to play the show. Just say, uh, well, whoever you're talking to, hey, whatever. Play the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast, and just like magic, we will appear in your house or car or wherever else you've got your smart speakers. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Little things like that really go a long way. And we are celebrating the fact that we have recently gone over the 7,000 downloads mark for a little show like this. 7,000 downloads is incredible. And we continually thank you for your support. You are all amazing. If you are listening right now, you're amazing. You should know you're amazing. I personally want to say a massive thank you. And just keep coming back. Next year, got some great ideas for the show. And I'm super excited uh, for where the show is going to go. And I'll leave it at that. And we'll jump into the interview with Mark here. And it's time to find out all about... Comedy Influences with Mark Turpin. Welcome to the show, everyone. And this week, we are focusing on an an improv-based topic. And we're going to be looking into comedy influences. And to help me break all this down, please welcome back to the show. He is the mayor of improv. It's Mark Turpin. Hello there, everyone. Nice to be back again. Yeah, always great to have a chat with you, Mark. And I'm super excited for what this chat's going to be. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just um, obviously comedy's sort of been a big influence in my life and that on the improv that I do. So, yeah, looking forward to the chat. So what I want to focus on, first of all, is just the idea of this, what we love this improv actually being improv comedy because there's lots of people out there in the improv world that sort of see the comedy side as as like a real negative thing i think i've encountered a lot of people particularly long form performers long form improvisers that will constantly say it's not about being funny don't force the joke all that kind of stuff and yeah in in whatever you're doing never force a joke but in short form, you know, people are coming to laugh. It is about the comedy, right? Well, that's it. I think that you've hit the nail on the head because I think with short form, it does what it says on the tin. It's short, so you have to get the laugh out there as, as quick as you can, whereas in long form, you, you, you're allowing time for things to breathe a bit more so you don't necessarily have to do 
a funny scene or be funny it can be serious i mean i've done sort of dramatic sort of improv before um like earlier this year i did that uh two-person scene with uh heather dickinson yeah. i did a, a course with emma lci and um we did a 10 minute sort of dramatic scene um there were some sort of funny moments in there but uh it was mainly a more serious scene, something that I've not done much of before, but I really enjoyed at the same time. And I think sometimes you just, if, if something is funny, it is funny, but if nothing is funny, it's, it doesn't matter. It's just the, uh, it's just whatever happens in that scene. You're not forcing it, basically. Yeah, 100%. So short form, you know, that it does again doesn't necessarily have to be funny and and funny can come from the weirdest places in short form yeah. and in in long form yeah you don't go necessarily into a long form set trying to find the laughs but if the laughs happen the laughs happen and exactly. yeah yeah certain people it doesn't matter what they do they they're probably going to be trying to find a laugh for example i love puns and one liners and even in long form sets sometimes it can be relatively serious but i still can't resist the odd little one-liner here or there yeah. just just because that's how my brain works you know yeah I, th I think that's i think like you said i mean i i mean i like wordplay and puns and everything but um when i did that scene with heather i knew i had to sort of do it differently to what i normally would do in a short form scene you know, when we're doing stuff with the orcas when we meet online every other Wednesday. Um, I just wanted to be a bit different in that longest scene. And that, that's what I tend to do when I do long form improv. And if I don't, if nothing funny occurs in that long form scene, that's fine. The scene's still good. But if something funny does occur, well, that's, just as good as well. Um, like you say, it's just not forcing the laugh. The laugh will happen genuinely yeah. um, because of that scene. Um, so, yeah, it's just being natural when you do that scene, like reacting to your scene partner, just allowing the scene to breathe a bit, uh, especially with long form. And I guess when, when you go to a comedy show, you, you need the comedian. There's generally like, if it's a comedy night, there's generally sort of one main act and there's maybe a couple of other acts. Yeah. So there's, there's maybe three opportunities for the type of humor that's on offer to make people laugh. But even then, sometimes those types of comedians might not appeal to whoever happens to show up that night. And the great thing about improv is there's generally a large group of people, particularly a short form troupe like the Oikers, for example, Ooh. there's a lot of people, you know, there could be nine of us up there between the nine of yeah. us, you know, we're all very different in terms of our style. We're all different in terms of our sense of humor. So the likelihood is that, that there's genuinely a bit of something for everyone watching within the group. Yeah. It's funny you should say that because um, Stu, Stu Hughes actually said, of my sort of humour, it was like whimsical and left field. And I think that sort of 
encapsulates me and it was so spot on what he said because that I think I can what I do in a scene can be a bit surreal sometimes um I'm not necessarily obvious I can be a bit out there sometimes um so yeah I think like you say we all are different in our styles of humor uh, like you with your puns um Seki is very sort of visual with especially with a face especially you like the way a face works and obviously there's others in the group that are different um so I think we all bring something different to the table when we perform yeah now we're talking about comedy influences here and yeah. so I I've been giving this some thought personally and i've been having a few chats with other people about comedy influences i just want to talk about your childhood and i want to find out when did you first sort of discover like humor and what did you first find funny and when did you start to think oh yeah that, that's funny oh i like that i like laughing I, I want more of that yeah so it's probably maybe maybe six or seven so that would be for me in the early 80s so you have people like cannon and ball and little and large and it tends to be a lot of duos at the time uh, in that period um so people like that um so that, and there's i don't know if you remember ross abbott i do ross yeah. abbott's mad yeah to, i mean he he did a lot of characters in his sketch show, and so I used to I used to really like that. Um, but interesting that I watched one recently. It was on one of these sort of freeview channels, and like I watched it again, and it was watching it now. It was completely different to when I was about six or seven. I I just didn't it just didn't hit a chord with me watching it again now. And then, considering like nearly forty years ago, um, I think your taste change as time goes on. And what I found funny when I was seven or eight, I didn't find funny with that. So, <laughs> well, that's interesting. You've said that because, yeah, there are certain things in life where tastes change. But for me, I find that things I enjoyed when I was seven, I still love it now for example when i was a child i loved the tv show maid marion and her merry men yeah. and i will watch that now and i will still laugh and i will see a deeper level to the jokes than i would have seen when i was a child so i can see things differently but it makes me love it even more especially because uh, we live in a very safe world now and this was a bbc like children's TV show, and I watch it, and I'm like, I don't think they'd be allowed to get away with that these days. Yeah, it's sort of like it's like pantomime, isn't it? Pantomime works on two different levels. There's like jokes, which the children will laugh at, and then at the same time, there'll be something aimed at the adults, which the adults, oh yeah, there's yeah. a bit of innuendo in there. Um, that main Marion was like that. That I mean, I did watch that at the time, and I particularly remember the Crystal Maze sort of. Yeah, yeah. that was a great episode. Yeah, it wasn't. 
Yeah. But um, I also remember, do you remember watching Going Live? Yes. I don't know if you remember Trevor and Simon. I, yeah, I love Trevor and Simon. Uh, I used to love them. They used to do um, like the singing corner with swingy pants. And then they always have this thing each week where they run a laundrette and they'd have the, the star, the guest of the week coming in. It'd be like Sting or Jimmy Nail coming in and asking, could they have their duvet? Cleans and like yeah. we don't do duvets. We don't. <laughs> and um, as the series progressed, or so like each time the show came back for a new series, it was always a different gimmick, wasn't it? Because after we don't do duvets, another time it was like a record shop. We don't do discs. Yeah, yeah. And it and... was just, I was just, yeah. It was. I was just thinking about them the other day when I was you not know, thinking about this and uh, Trevor and Simon. Yeah, I used to love them at the time because it's like Saturday morning when it used to be kids' shows on a Saturday morning on BBC or ITV. Yeah. We'd watch either one or the other. We don't have that anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. I think as as youngsters, um, whatever shows you end up watching can be very influential, particularly in terms of your sense of humour, especially if if you. You're not surround like some people are surrounded by funny people in their family. Um, yeah. Like I grew up. No disrespect to my family, I love my family. It, yeah. it wasn't a funny family. Like we weren't often sort of joking around. Um, my family aren't ones for the, the limelight. They, they don't like to draw attention to us. But me, from an early age, I got involved in drama and stuff like that. And I, I look back and I. I didn't really realize it at the time, but I was always getting cast as the fall guy and things. And I was like, oh, like everyone that was running these groups and stuff that I was a part of, they clearly saw something in me that I didn't necessarily realize at the time. But yeah, I had visions of being the, the, the straight guy, like the lead guy and stuff. And I was always the fall guy. And then I realized, oh yeah, I, I, I get that. I was more suited to that, I think. <laughs> yes, but I mean, in my family, it was my, my grandfather on my mum's side, like he was just, I mean, he was just so funny. I was used to, every time he'd visit, he would just do these really awful sort of jokes. And, but you'd tell him every time he came. So even though you'd heard them hundreds of times before, mm. he would tell the same jokes like, like, knock, knock, like, who's there? And it'd be Arthur, Arthur who, Arthuritis, you know, <laughs> jokes about really bad ilk. And even though I'd heard it before, I would still laugh. And like when you'd ask him what was on the TV, he'd say like, or like a fruit bowl or a picture of someone. Just really lame jokes. But I don't know. I think things like that stuck with me. And I just love really silly, stupid humour. And that sort of stuck with me even now just a really silly humor yeah i love a silliness and there was another tv show that i used to watch growing up well a couple that i mentioned i used to love the show boy meets world and the last few seasons of that there was this character in it called eric he was the older brother of like the main guy Corey, and his character a bit like homer simpson i guess started off as a way more serious character but then as the show went on they were like oh we can make this guy really silly 
and he was just ridiculously silly, and silly. I loved that. And <laughs> also the show My Family, I used to love that when Nick was in it. He was the older brother in it, yeah. and he was just ridiculously stupid. And I, I really just enjoy sort of people being really silly, but it, it's really clever at the same time to to be able to take people on that journey where they don't just look at it and say, no, that's ridiculous. They look at it and say, that's ridiculous, but I'm invested and I want to see where it goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, I used to like watching not going out when Tim Vine was in it. Yeah. And I think when he left, it wasn't the same. And I think I've not watched it for a while now. Cause I think for me, it, um, what I call jump the shark when <laughs> me and Lucy got married, and it just, it's just become another what I call a Friday night BBC sitcom, right. just very bland. Or that's what I think anyway. But I think when Tim Vine was in it, I think I did enjoy. I mean, I love Tim Vine anyway, uh, as I know you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one as well because you know people will often say, "Oh, who's your who's your favorite comedian?" And I, I I will generally say Tim Vine, but I think in reality I don't really have a favorite. I love Tim Vine. I yeah. I will never get bored of him. I I think he's fascinating, and he's so clever and he's so quick, and I I just think he sort of sets the bar for yeah. pun based humor yeah. but at the same time i really love lots of other types of comedy as well and i think it is yeah. important to to not just sort of pigeonhole and say oh i just like that one thing i think it's good to have lots of different influences yeah yeah definitely yeah i think it's good to like you say because we like different things comedy subjective what one person may like you somebody else may not but um but yeah like tim i mean I, I was listening to some podcast a while ago i think it was ricky gervais and he used to say about wordplay and puns oh it's it's uh it's quite lazy to do but then when you think about it it's not because it takes a lot of work to craft a pun because it's two parts to a pun isn't there it's like the lead up to it and then the re like the result of the pun yeah so it does quite it's quite a lot of craft to do that it's um i mean fair play to tim vine it just when it's one after the other after the other and it's just the work that must go into that it's it's just astonishing i think when it comes to telling puns one of my favorite things is when we're doing a pun game, for example, if I step forward and I have a rough idea of where I want to go, sometimes I don't fully know how I'm going to get there. And I will go on a really long sort of, yeah. sort of story to get to the pun. And I love that moment where I can see people's faces are like, just looking at me, like, where's he going with this? And then I'll get to the pun and it's yeah. like, oh, right. Yeah. Because that could be a bit more fun then when everyone just instantly knows, oh, that's what he said, so this is what the answer's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when we do the pun games because I know some people don't, some of the orcas don't like them. I mean, 
Liz especially always says, oh, I'm not very good at doing these. But then she'll come out with something that, like, stuns us all into silence. And it's like the best one of the show or the best one of the session that we've done. And, like, it's just funny when oh, people say, oh, I'm not good, and then they'll come up with something which is just, it just blows your mind. Yeah. So I... Uh... I'm generally known as a pun guy. People expect puns from me just in scenes in general. But then when it comes to actual pun games, I I don't think I ever finish a night and and could ever claim that I had the best joke of the night because I think there's yeah. always someone else that comes up with a better joke in yes. any, whether it's a session online, in person, whether it's a show or whatever. I, I always come away and I think, oh, yeah, so-and-so definitely had the best pun tonight it was great <laughs> yeah and that's it's, um yeah it's just uh it's always a fun session when we get together every other wednesday and um it's it's always good especially when you've had like a long day at work and then you go oh no it's wednesday night it's going to be an oika session and then at the end of the night you've really enjoyed it. it's just really lifted your mood and it's been a good end to the, the day after like a long day at work. Yeah. And with with TV shows now, I can't talk about this without talking about whose lines it anyway. Because you know, yeah. as a child, Friday night used to yeah. watch Whose Lines yeah. It Anyway, used to absolutely love it. And that was the British version back at the time. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. When I look back now and I watch some of those old episodes and I compare them to the American version, I realize how different the styles of the show are. The mm -hmm. Certainly the earlier series of, of the British one, the people doing it block a lot and they do a lot of the things that were always taught, oh, we don't do that. And mm -hmm. I, I want to mention that like Paul Merton, for example, he blocks all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. Stephen Fry blocks all the time. And I think it was the, these were more sort of actors that drifted in to the comedy side of things. And they didn't necessarily have the same level of training that a lot of improvisers have now. Whereas when the likes of Ryan and Colin got involved they came through like a different route and there was just i think there's like a different level there was some yeah. people in like uh, josie lawrence for example she got yeah. it sandy toxvig always got it so there were some really talented ones uh in the british uh version and i still love watching it but i think there's the certain performers and Colin, Ryan, and Wayne always stand out from the American version of the show as these guys 100% sort of get what short-form improv is. Yeah, because, I mean, I used to watch Whose Line Is It Anyway? It used to be, oh, it used to be like half ten on a Friday night on Channel 4 after it'd be usually some American sitcom beforehand at 10 o'clock, something like Roseanne or Golden Girls, which I'd probably watch, and then I'd watch Whose Line Is It Anyway? 
afterwards. And yeah, there was a, there is a difference. Cause like when it first started, there'd be people like Josie Lawrence and Paul Merton, like uh, Tony Slattery was there as well. And then uh, you had Mike McShane. Um, he came on for a bit. And then, but I think like you, I think it sort of hit it for me when Colin Mockery came, Ryan Styles, Greg Proops, the sort of American Canadian improvisers came over. And yeah, that's sort of the, for me, the golden era of the British. Whose line is it anyway? That's the one I remember the most. And um, I, I sort of stopped watching it after then when it finished on the Channel 4, because then it went over to America and I never really watched it when Drew Carey sort of took over hosting it in the US. And I've not really watched the American, but I've watched bits on YouTube with the okay. Aisha Tyler. Aisha Tyler, yeah. Tyler, um, I've watched bits of that and it is really, really good, especially you now, like you, like Wayne Brady, he's just out of this world. And see Colin and Ryan, but um, I believe it's actually finishing, isn't it? I just heard that it's finishing. That's news to me. Oh no, yeah, did you? Oh, did you not know? Yeah, it was. <sighs> um, I read something last week. Um, whoever runs it, they're not renewing it for another season. Oh, that um, would make sense. It's on a network called the CW, and they've basically just cancelled every other show that they've got. So <laughs> I guess it stands the reason that they've cancelled Who's Line as well. Yeah, so whether or not it'll be picked up elsewhere or not, I don't know. But yeah, it's finishing on whatever the CW network. Yeah. It's had a good run, though, because um, they revived it on a temporary basis initially, and then it's gone for at least 10 years since it its current revival so yeah it's yeah, a shame uh, to hear that though yeah yeah i, I didn't realize that you didn't know yeah i only just found out by chance last week i was just browsing and yeah i just saw how oh, it's not been renewed so yeah but like i say in total it's been going for what over 30 years so yeah it's had a good run yeah i've never actually heard any of the original Who's Line, the radio stuff, because it started on the radio, didn't it? Yeah, I never heard it on the radio myself, so I always started watching it when it came on Channel 4 in the late 80s with uh, Clive Anderson. So it would be interesting to to see if that's out there somewhere. And just... Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I think as well comedy on tv so i was discussing this the other day uh with a couple of people and i realized that seki for those that are listening that aren't sure seki is my fiance and a fellow improviser and she didn't grow up in the the uk in her earlier years and in the conversation realized that she hadn't ever seen anything like the fast show Harry Enfield and Chums, Smack the Pony, anything like that. And I feel like throughout the 90s, there was just constantly sketch shows on telly. And now there's hardly anything that's a sketch show on telly, to my knowledge. No, not that I know. I think things tend to go in cycles, don't they? So like you say, the 90s, it was full of sketch shows like Fast Show, Harry Enfield, Smack the Pony and... Big, tr- big train and uh, 
things like that. But yeah, um, there might be sketch shows on some of the like BBC Three or something. I don't know, but it's not something I watch. Um, but it seems to be at the moment sort of sitcom heavy at the moment. Not so much sketch shows from what I can see. But yeah. But, sketch shows in the 90s were sort of prominent. Yeah. And, you know, certain shows, it doesn't matter what the show is. Uh, Friends, for example, like Friends has just still got legs. Like people still love Friends and jokes from Friends and and sort of character traits from Friends. I see it sometimes in children that I teach in school, in primary school. Like it's it's still having an effect on the world um something like friends so certain types of comedy i guess just lives on and certain types of comedy gets left in its era i mean it's weird you talk about friends because that's one sitcom i've never got never got friends i tried it and it just you know how some things just don't resonate with yeah that is that is one of them i just didn't get it um but like you say it's still being shown even now on some channel or another um yeah it's still popular to this day but it just didn't that's something that didn't resonate with me um it would have been something if you if you, if you were going to ask uh, what doesn't resonate with you comedy wise that would have been something i would have mentioned oh, definitely now, when things don't resonate, there's ways, there's ways to sort of deal with that. And something that stand-ups have to deal with is if they're doing a show and someone doesn't particularly enjoy their act, they'll just get heckled. Um, but fortunately, in improv, that's not necessarily the case. I, I think I've been at the odd show where maybe someone's had a, a bit too much to drink and they're just a bit loud and leery, but I haven't personally encountered any heckling in improv. How about you? No, I haven't, to be honest. I think mostly in the main, when you get a crowd at an improv show, they've always been really supportive. I've never heard anybody heckle, um, not to my knowledge. But I think for me, I'm so in... I don't know about you, but you're so in the zone sometimes you don't really notice things like that. I, I am anyway. Like I'll say, like when you do a show and you don't realise that half an hour is gone, it feels like five minutes sometimes. You don't realise it's half an hour. It, it, um, I just get into a zone and you hear the laughter, but I might not necessarily hear a heckle if there is one, um, but I, do, I think I would hear if there was heckling, but so I haven't, to my knowledge. Yeah, I think in an improv show as well, I think generally the audience understand that whatever's just come out of that person's mouth just came out on a whim. It wasn't something that they've rehearsed and hoped would get a laugh. It wasn't yeah. something they'd rehearsed in hopes to be offensive. People understand, oh, yeah, you know, that was really funny. Or, oh, that didn't quite sit right with me. But, you know, yeah. that they were just dealing with something in the moment. So I think 
an improv crowd is generally quite an intelligent crowd. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, like, like I said, I think most people in the improv crowd are most usually fellow improvisers. So I think they understand the premise, they're supportive, and they understand what's going to happen and what's going to happen in the show. So um, they're there to support you anyway. So you get the odd person who may never have seen a show before. Um, I think mainly most people there are already improvisers or I've been to a few improv shows, supporting the partners or the friends anyway. Yeah. Now, I have encountered some people in improv who go out of their way to throw in a funny line, and it's a funny line that they've heard from a comedian. And I think that's bad form. I think, like, a pun game, for example, it's very quick fire, and you just say the first thing that comes to your head. Now, we've played a gazillion pun games, and I'm pretty sure that most of the puns that we say have probably been said before in some way, shape, or form by someone somewhere, and maybe we were there and we experienced it, but you're not stepping forward thinking, oh, I remember two years ago, this joke was said, I'm going to step forward. You know, it's very much reacting. (laughs) But I think there are, I have encountered some people, let's say someone went to a Tim Vine show or they watch a Tim Vine DVD and they thought, oh, that's a good joke. And then they'll try and pass it off as their own in a show. I think Mm. that's that's bad form. Um, The... The the way a pun should be formed, like I believe if I say something, you know, it it's off the cuff. And I like to think that, oh yeah, I've said that. There is a chance that someone like Tim Vine might have said it in a similar situation, but I haven't gone out of my way to just steal someone's yeah. terms, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I went to see him many years ago in Leeds, and to be honest, I wouldn't have remembered what he said in the show anyway, because after I came out, I couldn't even remember three quarters of what he said anyway. So I, even if I could remember, I probably wouldn't be able to remember anyway. So because um, he's so quick fire and it's just like one joke after the other after the other. It's just relentless. Um, so like you say, I think... Uh, when I do a pun, it's just something off the cuff. It might have been something like you say, it might have been something that Tim Vine may have said in one of his shows, but it's not something I may necessarily have remembered him saying. Yeah. So like you, yeah. Um, so it's like, like yourself, I just do something off the cuff. Um, it's there in the moment, like improv should be anyway. Uh, it's not something that should be predetermined or pre-thought of. Yeah, and and it is in the moment. And because every time we do it, you know, there's generally a different audience. There is a good chance yeah. that if we get if we get a particular object and we have to do a pun game, there's a very good chance. I know if someone says a spade and I step forward and say something about a spade, there's a good chance I've said that thing about a spade before, but I can't remember yeah. it because I rarely remember anything that's come out of my mouth in an improv set. And then, um, but that's that's the journey your brain goes on. Now, there are sometimes, 
let's say um let's say we're doing a show with the Oikers and the week before we had a, a rehearsal and yeah. someone said an object and then the show night comes and someone happens to give us the same object as a suggestion so there are times when i think i know last week i said this joke and i will hold back from saying it and i'll let someone else sort of step forward and take it i'll sort of leave it dangling for those that aren't as confident with puns and i think oh that might be in the back of their head i'll leave that there and then i'll just try and work harder and think of something else yeah, because I think that has happened before. And I think when we did the when we did Emma's fiftieth show at the Hope Street Theatre, I think we did a pong game. It was I think the an item was a whisk, and I think we'd done something that in one of our rehearsal sessions the week before. And the one the pun that stands out is one that Michael because I think Michael joined us for the show, Michael Anonyms. Yeah. And he did the It's a Whisk I'll Have to Take. Yeah. Um, I know somebody did that in the session the week before, the two weeks before. So, yeah. So it's like you say, if you did a Whisk joke, it's not worth, you don't have to do it. It's letting somebody else come up and do that same whisk related pun um if they, if, they, if they're so inclined to do so yeah uh and I, th- I think it's important sometimes to sort of to do that and to just not think oh yeah i did this last week i'm just going to step forward and say the same thing sometimes it could be funny like it, it can sometimes be a running joke if you get the same item all the time oh yeah i'm just going to step forward and say this and then we'll all have our own little laugh because we all know that that's going to be said so let's just get it out of the way <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's um, it's like it's just been in the moment, isn't it? It's uh, it's just whatever comes into your head at that time. Um, it's funny sometimes when you're you just waiting in line and you're thinking of something, and then somebody will go up and say exactly that thing that you're about to do. <laughs> That's actually funny, funny in itself. When like I might think of something and then. Dave might go up and say exactly the same thing and you think I was just going to say that but then you actually laugh at the same time as well because it's um it's funny if it's funny when somebody else has said it what you're about to say that makes sense yeah yeah and um just going back to influences there are there are times when in life or in scenes you will do something which sort of pays homage to someone you were influenced by. And what comes to my head here is just the other day I was in school and I was carrying a bench with someone and mm. the two of us were just straight away to me, to you, to me, to you. <laughs> and I was like, you hear so many people do that. And I was like, the Chuckle Brothers were a massive influence on people and they don't even realize it because they'll just throw in little Chuckle Brothers things. And uh, yeah, I I don't think they get the credit they deserve for the influence they've had so on comedy and on people's perceptions of comedy. No, the I mean the the one for years. So I think Pete is a generation of children that grew up watching Chucklevision, 
who are like now adults and like they'll they'll probably do to me to you and any whatever oh oh dear oh dear oh dear or <laughs> you know like like um there is there's a character that used to do like the boss character that or would I say no slacking yeah I don't know if you know he was actually their brother in real life yeah um, yeah um so yeah it, it is interesting that um certain things still sort of influence you even now down the line because like it's like the Markham and Wise um they were doing one of the bed, bed sketches and there's a scene where Eric Markham goes to the window looks out and there's like a siren that goes by you just hear this siren and Eric Markham goes he's not going to sell many ice creams at going at that speed is he <laughs> and even now if I look out the window and I hear a siren going by I will do that <laughs> Say that to my partner. I'm sure a generation of adults who are growing up with Mark and Wise will do that. Like dad will say that to the kids, or husbands will say that to the wives, or whatever. And it's just I'll, I say that all the time, repeatedly, and like. And I think what's great is like you just said that, and I hadn't heard that for a while, and it made me laugh. It's still funny, you know. I think good jokes are still good jokes 30, 40, 50 years later. Yeah, I mean, it's just so many classic lines from Mark and Wise. They, they are one of my biggest influences, to be honest. Um, I don't remember from, from the heyday on BBC, like late 60s to the mid-70s. I was too young, but I've obviously watched them later, like on video and DVD and... Like you see the clips on YouTube now, and um, Eric Barkham in particular was just so, just so funny. Like, just he didn't have to say anything, and he was just funny. There are people like that, and he was just one of them. It's just like looking at a camera. He was funny, and yeah, he just they just they have influenced me so much. I think. Um, I think uh, growing up as well, without realizing it, lots of us were given the same influences in a way that children today aren't because there's too much choice now. Like we didn't have many channels to yeah. watch. So on a Friday no. night, the chances are we'd all be watching this or we'd all be watching that. Whereas these days, it's impossible to get everyone to be watching the same things. Um, and it, it meant if there was something funny on, Oh, I, I remember often on like a Saturday afternoon as a child, there'd be a carry-on film on yeah. BBC One or two. And sort of without realizing it, my I think my, my love of like innuendos and things maybe came from that and then and, and into pantomimes yeah. and stuff as well. Uh, and we, we sadly lost another cast member from the carry-on films um, recently, didn't we? Leslie Phillips and yeah. it's stuff that you look back now and again you're like oh, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be allowed to do what they were doing now because we live in a different society but at the time yeah. um 
it was what we were watching on telly and it was funny and there's still large elements of it that I think are funny. And I know there's lots of people that look at that kind of stuff and say, no, it's not funny. It's not right. Blah, blah, blah. But I think if you don't look too deep into it, I think a lot of it personally Mm -hmm. is entertaining. I think it's going back to what you say. I mean, especially when Markham and Roy's were around, there was only like three channels at the time. So they would get millions of viewers. The fact that the last Christmas show they did for the BBC in 1977, they got 28 million people watching their show on Christmas Day. I mean, that yeah. figures like that, you wouldn't get these days because there's, there's so many channels now. There's so many ways of watching things like Netflix and all the other streaming platforms now. Um like I say, you, there was no video recorders that time off. There were not many people had them, so it was just whatever your parents watched, that was it. If they wanted to watch BBC One, tough, you had not you had no choice. There was no, people didn't have TVs in the bedroom at that point either, so whatever your parents watched, that would be it. You had no choice, so um, it was sort of like growing up with comedy that he had no choice but to watch, basically. Yeah. And a lot of us, you know, grew up with similar influences because of that. But then times have changed and we've expanded our horizons and we've gone off and we've had influences from from all sorts of different places. And my influences will be different to yours. But what I think is really cool about improv is we can pull all of these people together with all of these different life experiences, all of these different influences in many things, in particular comedy, because that's what we're talking about. But then get a bunch of us into short form sets, get a bunch of us into long form sets, mid form sets, whatever. And all of those different influences can still gel together between us to create magic on the stage. Yeah, I, I just enjoy performing with the Oikos so much because you like, you never know what's going to come, especially when you're doing a scene with someone. And like, um, we like you said, we each have our own sort of different humour. Like, somebody like Stu is quite dry. Um, somebody like Michael Annanind is quite big and bold with. Uh, with his humour, Michael Annanin's in particular, he's just somebody that makes me laugh so much. He's just naturally funny whenever you see him do a scene. And I, or whenever I see him do something, he always makes me laugh, Michael. Oh, yeah, very funny guy. <laughs> and I think LCI, when I, so when I first discovered LCI, that was me discovering sort of improv in a form that I could do yeah. it. It was something I used to do as a child. And mm. it was something I was always aware of. I just didn't know it existed in sort of the way okay. that it exists. And it's been sort of life-changing since. And I think what I loved about when I came to LCI was I realized, oh, actually, I fit in here and I don't have to try and fit into a box. And I'm trusted, I'm trusted to be myself. 
And I don't, it's a weird thing to say, trusted to be yourself, because I don't feel necessarily in other walks of life trusted to be myself because you know as a teacher i'm expected to be certain things and not other things but to be able to come to improv and i was able to discover i can fully just lean into the silliness of my brain and that's actually okay here (laughs) it's weird you say that because i think for me improv is the first thing that i found that i feel passionate about that that is me uh, I've tried other things before and I've never really got into them or I've not grasped them and I've just thought it's not for me but improv when I first tried it I thought yeah this is something that is me this is my crowd these are the people I want to be with and like six years down the line since I started doing it I've made so many friends and it's given me so much confidence and it just like you say, it just allows me to be silly in a way that you can't necessarily be during your like day job. My job's quite serious, um, so I don't. I've, I have to have a serious head on when I do that. But when I do improv, I can be someone different, and I really enjoy that. Yeah, and I think. As we start to wind this down, I think it's also important to say that other improvisers influence each other. Like I know all of the improvisers I've encountered over the last few years have all influenced me in some way. I learn every time I see other people perform, every time I perform with people, whether it's the Oikers, whether it's with LCI, whether it's with Flinch of Funnybone, Gloss of Improv, or I'm just taking a course somewhere or doing something. Or even if I'm running a class, I'll still learn something from one of the people taking that class. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I enjoy watching improv sometimes more than actually, I enjoy watching it more as much as I enjoy doing it sometimes. I just like seeing different people perform. Um, somebody like Jen Hardy, it was just so good. Um, I always remember that scene, but that questions scene that you did with her, oh, yeah. one of the, and I've never seen questions only done like that before, and it was just so good. And Jen is just such a good improviser to perform with, so that was just fun. And to watch. So I think you do learn things when you're watching other improvisers. You just pick things up. You might not necessarily think about it at the time, but sometimes later on down the line, you might just think about it. I think, oh, yeah, I remember seeing Jen Hardy doing that. Or I might remember Angela Langley doing that. And so and it just might hit you all of a sudden. And, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, a couple of names there, and the certain names, and I hear their name, and I just instantly think, oh yeah, incredible improviser, and I instantly can sort of remember the feeling I've had when I've seen them perform. Like you mentioned, Jen Hardy, like the amount of times she is has had me like really barely laughing. Angela yeah. as well, Angela Langley. She, the way that she approaches improv, and and like approaches scenes and creates these characters and just drops lines here and there uh, that 
I wouldn't necessarily have thought of myself. And that's why I enjoy the genius even more, I think. Um, so, yeah, yeah, those two are, are really great uh, improvisers. Especially with And Anne reminds me so much of somebody I really admire in comedy. And that's Victoria Ward. It's just oh, when yeah. you watch Anne, sometimes like watching a Victoria Ward sketch. And I just love Victoria Ward so much. I've been watching Dinner Ladies recently. It's, been, it's on iPlayer at the moment because it's BBC's 100th anniversary this year, so they've got oh, all yeah. the classic sitcoms on iPlayer at the moment. So I've been re-watching Dead Ladies again, and it's just still funny now, like nearly 25 years down the line. Um, it's just, and like some of the sketch, not just with Dead Ladies, but with us seen on, on TV and, that, like the I don't know, the ballad of Barry and Frieda, which is you know I can't you know the song I can't do it I can't yeah that just it just some of the lines in now just have me in stitches like there's like um, this folly is jolly bend me on the over backwards <laughs> over backwards on the whole trolley and like not bleakly not meekly beat me on the bottom with a woman's weekly. It's just like, where did she get these lines from? And when you see her perform that song, there's so many lyrics in it and she's just non-stop for nearly five minutes. It's quite a long song to perform and like you see her actually bouncing up and down on the piano still because it's so, she doesn't even take time to breathe and she's yeah. gone on to the next line. It's just incredible to watch when you see her do it. I saw something the other day that I thought was one of the funniest things I've seen for a long time. And uh, Seki runs uh, something called Stand Tall Improv, and it's improv for teenagers. And yeah. she's got a great group that come. And I often catch the tail end of their sessions because I'll arrive to pick Seki up. And... As I got there, I was there for like maybe the last 25 minutes and they were just having like a little break and then coming out of the break. But there's this girl there who I believe is 16. She's 15 or 16. And just in general, even at that young age, she is just one of the funniest people I've ever met. Like she's just naturally really funny. And as I arrived, I sort of arrived just before she went into something which which wasn't a comedy sketch but if it was put on telly as a comedy sketch or on stage as a comedy sketch like everyone would say that is one of the greatest sketches ever it was just her doing something which was just really <laughs> funny and it was all to do with what was in her pockets and she was just taking and I tell you she went on for 15 minutes taking different things out of her pockets and everything had a story and she had pockets everywhere in her school blazer it was one of the funniest things probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I, I was really in stitches watching this uh, young girl just make me laugh with every single thing that she did. And she had the whole room just like in the palm of her hands. And she's definitely one to watch for the future. And I, I love when I see youngsters getting involved in improv and I'm sort of jealous because I'm like, oh, why? Why have they got it in their life at that age? Why couldn't I have it in my life at that age? Yeah, I mean, it's great when 
see something and it just makes you laugh so much. I mean, for me, one of the there's there's one sketch in particular that things make me laugh, but there's one particular sketch that makes me cry with laughter. It's the only sketch that makes me cry with laughter. Literally, I mean, even thinking about it now, it's going to make me laugh. But it's the Markham and Rice sketch they did with Andre Previn. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it's when it's Greg's piano concerto, and they basically get Andre Previn there under false pretenses because they said they've got Yehudi Menuhin. To, Yehudi Menuhin was like a classical violinist at that particular time. This was done in the early 70s, and he was like the prominent violinist. But they get Andre Previn there under false pretenses because Yehudi Menuhin's not going to be there. So, anyway. They open the curtains on the stage and then they have the piano and then they have the orchestra. And like Eric Moore starts his piano concerto and he's playing all the wrong notes. Mm. So after the orchestra stops, Andre Previn's looking aghast. What's Eric Morecambe doing playing this really bad piano? And like he says, you're playing all the wrong notes. <laughs> and it's just, the way the camera cuts to Eric Morecambe's face, you could just see him seething like, and he goes to Andre Previn and goes, I am playing all the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you that, and then he does the face snap. <laughs> I just does not cry with laughter every time, every time. Oh, and then Andre Previn plays it correctly. Eric Morecambe, and then Eric Morecambe stood there for about. 15 seconds he timed it so well because he doesn't go in too soon but then he doesn't leave it too long to respond <laughs> timed it so perfectly like 15 seconds he goes rubbish and then Andrew <laughs> actually plays it the way Eric Morecambe actually played it it just yeah. made me laugh so much it's classic but, um, yeah and they always show it on these clip shows but there's a bit makes me laugh before they show that particular bit and like Andre Previn goes um, I'll go and get my baton it's in Chicago like as if he's about <laughs> to leave and Eric Markham goes pow that's a good one because apparently Eric Markham was really nervous about the sketch because they hadn't had much time to rehearse because Andre Previn had to go back to America to his mum was sick or something so we didn't have as much time to rehearse as Markham and Wise would like so Eric Markham is really you can actually see at the beginning of the sketch he's sort of nervous but as soon as Andre Previn said that I knew that something good was going to happen and it did Hmm. yeah speaking of things that just make you laugh out loud every time you watch it there's a couple of rowan atkinson things that i really love and one of them is from not the nine o'clock news from back in the 80s when he's very young and it's really simple and basically he's walking along a street and he looks over at the camera who is like someone (laughs) someone else across the street and he waves at them and then he turns and walks into a lamppost and then it cuts back to him later doing the same thing. And he looks over and he waves and then he turns and he stops. 
and he avoids the lamppost and then he's like looking over just like ho 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 i didn't walk into the lamppost and then he, he falls down an open cellar door which is so funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i remember that yeah yeah and also at the opening of the 2012 olympics when he did the chariots of fire thing that was genius so if if anyone hasn't seen these things go and search them on the internet they're hilarious yeah yeah i remember the not the nine o'clock news one um we've grown atkinson yeah yeah i've not seen the, the london olympics one though so i'll have to watch that because i don't remember i didn't watch these opening ceremony at the time okay um, yeah definitely go check yeah. it out rowan atkinson um 2012 olympics opening ceremony it is so funny yeah yeah it's, it's just it's great when you find things that make you laugh so much um another thing that does make me laugh um did you ever watch friday night dinner do you know i never have i hear lots of people say lots of great things about it yeah it's really it's fantastic so it's like it'd be on it should be on all four it was a channel four sitcom yeah so it's basically about these two sort of young men who go home each night for friday like dinner because they live with part of a jewish family so they go home every friday night to the parents house for dinner because it's like friday night's the sabbath and it's just basically when they go back, they always revert to being kids. Right. So they revert to how they were when they lived at home. And then you got like the dad who basically goes around topless because he's always boiling, he's always warm. And then <laughs> got a really odd neighbor who's infatuated with uh, the men, the mother. But there's a scene where the, the odd neighbour finally gets invited round for dinner. And this particular episode, they're in the process of painting the living room. And this odd neighbour somehow manages to knock the paint all over himself. Because <laughs> conveniently, this pot of paint is on this step ladder and he manages to knock this paint all over himself. Yeah, it's just the funniest thing. And like it's covered in red paint from head to toe. Like it just yeah, yeah. That's something that just cracks me up with laughter as well. Well, then it's it's been an absolute pleasure to basically take a trip down memory lane, talking about all of the things that make us laugh uh, over the years. Uh, but it is time to bring it to a close. Uh, but just a massive thank you for coming back on the show. No, it's been a pleasure. It's, it's time's gone quick. I can't believe it's been a sort of hour since we've been talking. Time flies when you're having fun. I've been I've really enjoyed doing this, and uh, hope everyone enjoys it when it comes out. I'm sure they will, and I'm sure he'll be back on the show in future to talk about um, some more improv topics. So I look forward yes. to having you back on in the future. Yeah, I hope so. I look forward to it. Okay, take it easy. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you so much to Mark. That was a really fun chat. And what I loved was uh, whilst I was having that chat, I was smiling a lot. I was laughing a lot uh, inside. And it's because 
I just enjoy the nostalgia, you know. Some of these things that we were talking about, some of these people we were talking about, they're incredible comedians and comedy can be timeless and you know a lot of the people that influence me, a lot of the people that influence Mark, they are things that I'll still be laughing about when I'm 90, I think. And I think just the opportunity sometimes to just go down memory lane and have a fun old chat about things that you love is great. And that's one of the things I love about this show. And if you've listened, hopefully you enjoyed that little trip down memory lane. And perhaps it wasn't a trip down memory lane for some of you. Maybe some of you haven't encountered some of those things that we discussed. So it's a great opportunity for you to go out have a little Google of these things, watch them, and hopefully enjoy them as much as Mark and I have uh, over our lifetimes. And this is going to be bringing pretty much an end to the the regular uh, show for this year. I will be back in a couple of weeks just reflecting on the year, breaking down all of the fantastic episodes of this year, and then we're taking a short break over the Christmas festive period. I'll be back in the new year bigger better stronger than ever got some incredible guests lined up for next year got some really great ideas uh, for the show next year that i'm excited to share with you uh, in the not too distant future so as always if you have listened i really appreciate it seeing the show continue to find new listeners to have the dedicated uh, fan base that we have of all of the returning listeners it's all looking really great in terms of show stats and it's awesome 7,000 downloads for a little show like us is a big deal and we look forward to continuing to grow and to build and if you are a relatively new listener there's loads of great episodes so just go back and listen to all of our previous content and maybe that's something you want to do over the festive period as well uh, just to go back and reflect even if you have listened to all of the episodes you can listen to them in a different light maybe going back right to the beginning and comparing the show now to what it was then Wh- whatever happens stick with us we appreciate all of your continued support and yeah I am very excited about uh, what is coming next year to the show now if you are interested in getting into improv or already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene then all the information you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk you can also check us out on facebook by searching for liverpool comedy improv and on twitter and instagram we are at live comedy improv we do have a facebook page specifically for this show just go on to facebook type in Liverpool Comedy Improvcast you'll find the show and then you can like us, follow us share our posts, find out all the information you need about the show on there and if you're a member of the LCI community and you'd like to be a guest on the show then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we'll make arrangements as soon as possible. I have bumped into some people uh, when I've recently been uh, at the Fly in the Loaf for an event or two and I've met improvisers that have been coming to drop-ins, improvisers that have been taking beginners courses and I've tried to encourage them to come on the show and a lot of them have been like, oh, I don't think I'm good enough to come on the show and I'm like, that's not what it's about, you know, it doesn't, whatever stage of your journey you're at, you don't need bucket loads of experience. Maybe you've taken one session at LCI. Great. I want to know how it was. So get in touch with me, get in touch with Emma, and we want to get you on the show. 
quick reminder that if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, use their review feature. Tell us what you think of the show. Hopefully you're going to give us five stars. Everything like that that you can do really helps to boost the show and get our name out there. If you want to follow me on social media, then you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the regular places. Just search for at Ian Luke Jones and you'll find all sorts of content on there, particularly on my YouTube channel. We're coming up to Christmas and um, from quite a few years ago now, I always used to write a charity Christmas song and I've got quite a few of them on my, on my YouTube channel with children singing along, uh, children from schools that I've worked at over the years. And yeah, I'm very proud of some of the songs. So if you go onto my YouTube channel and look into my playlist section, you'll you'll see a section there of Christmas songs that I've written. I'd love if you could listen to some of those to help you to get into that festive spirit. And that pretty much brings us to the end of this week's episode. As I said earlier, be back in two weeks we'll be breaking down the year and that will lead us into the festive break and what a year it's been i look forward to looking at it all in detail then so until then i hope you've enjoyed the show i hope you have a great couple of weeks and i'll see you all soon but before i go as always here are some words that are wise 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 always remember whatever the situation to treat life like improv and yes and